Hi, this is Bill Corbett, author of the book Love, Limits, and Lessons, A Parent's Guide to Raising Cooperative Kids. Thanks for downloading and listening to this podcast. Author, educator, and professional speaker Dan Blanchard stopped by my studio the other day, and we found ourselves talking about how some parents equate love to buying things for their kids. Now, the holidays are getting closer, and we've both seen absent parents swooping in to shower their children with all sorts of gifts and presents, and then swooping back out to being invisible again. These kinds of parents find it difficult to make the experience of being with their children and listening the real gift. Our hope for this episode is that some absent and busy parents might hear our conversation and then make the decision to buy less and be 100% present more. Adults might think that their kids want the gifts and money, but what they really want is a parent's silent attention, their smile, their confirmation that they hear them, and their loving interaction of feeling important. You know, Dan, the holidays are coming up. And you brought up a good point about maybe parents trying to buy their love with their kids, doing too much, thinking this is the time I got to get all my kids. This is the time I should be spending time with them, getting their gifts, and I got to get back to my crazy life. Um, I I just want to offer something that's really interesting. Sometimes parents buy stuff for their kids that just, and I hate to say this, but just shut them up. So I was in a department store one night and... I'm looking for a toy. I'm looking to buy a toy for a gift for a relative's kid. And I was in the toy aisle. And um, there's a mom and her, and her son. And her son's got this airplane in his hands. He goes, Mom, I want you to buy me this airplane. And she goes, No, honey. Um, you have airplanes all over your bedroom floor. I'm not buying another airplane. That's the last thing yep. I'm going to do. Mom, I want this airplane. This is a special plane. I want you to buy this. Honey, now listen to me. Your um, your father is um, it, your father's out of town, and I have no money. Okay, yeah. so I don't have any money to spend on this. Mm-hmm. Mom, I want the airplane, sweetheart. Yeah. We had to take all our extra money so your dad could go on the business trip. Yeah, and I don't have any extra money to buy that. Mom, I want the plane, and he's starting. He's starting to escalate this, yeah, right? Yep. He's and then she longer. goes, "Look, your birthday's coming up just around the corner, and I'm sure your grandparents are going to get you um, another plane. So no, I'm not getting. Mom, I want the plane. So Dan, let me ask you. Guess oh. what she did. She got him the plane. She got him the stupid plane. Yeah. And why did she buy him the plane? To shut him up. To take you know? the easy way out. To take the easy way out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think, some, have you found that that's what parents do sometimes, right? Sadly, it's kind of like, uh, you know, making the TV a babysitter. You're taking the easy way out. I mean, parenting is one of the toughest jobs in the world, Bill. I mean, you, you know this. We know this. Oh, yeah. I think everybody knows this. That parenting is one of the toughest jobs out there. And what happens is too frequently... You know, parents get tired, overwhelmed, and take the way out, the easy way out. I mean, they, they forget for a moment, you know, that they are the adult in the room. That mother should not have negotiated with that kid one iota. She should have taken his hand and walked him out of the store and, and maybe come back another time by herself. And I'll add, how did the kid know to do that? Because she trained him by learned, giving in yep, to him in other ways, right? Yeah, you know, it's like the when, they're, when they're three, I want the cookie. Mommy, I want the cookie until they have the meltdown. Yeah. And it turns from cookies to airplane toys to, you know, and, and all the way up into the teen years, yeah. right? You know, my wife says to me, Bill, she says, listen, you know, we got five kids. And, uh, you know, they're still fairly young. But my wife says to me, she says, honey, if what they're doing right now at three that you think is cute 
is not going to be cute when you're 13. <laughs> She's like, don't laugh. And there are times that I'm laughing and I'm like, oh, it's so cute. And I'm like, yes, honey, but you're right. You're right. This is not going to be cute at 13. And then when they're 13, so, she's going to go, this is because of you. Yeah, because of you. <laughs> you were laughing at them when That's they were right. three. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, being a parent's tough. And it's, it's, you know, we're all humans. You know, we're all fragile. We all have our, our, our moments where we try to take the easy way out. But, but we can't. we got to remember that we are the parent. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, I've talked to, like, kids who have lived in abusive homes. You know what I'm saying? And one of the things that have popped up time after time after time is that when one of the parents was abusing the kids and the other parent was just kind of, let's say, emotionally beaten down and wouldn't stand up for the kids, I always say, you know, first of all, you're the adult, you're the parent. You don't have the luxury of taking the easy way out when your kid's well-being is at stake. You can't take the easy way out. Now, I know that's an extreme example of standing up to like a violent husband or wife. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Who's doing this? But it's the same way. It's the same thing. You're taking the easy way out and you really don't have the luxury of taking the easy way out by making the TV the babysitter, by giving in at the store when the kid starts raising her voice saying they want the plane. Yeah. You, know, you, that, you're, you don't have the luxury of doing that. Now, this brings me build back to a story of when I first started teaching. And I started teaching at an international prep school, boarding school. Gosh, and this was 30 years ago. About and, uh, and You've I been doing this that long? Yeah, pretty close. Wow. It was like, I'm like 20, like eight years in or something like that. <laughs> so this is like, you know, that long ago. And I would see these elite, elite, famous parents sometimes. You know, not famous, just definitely elite. They would drop their kids off at this international boarding school in August and say, see you at Christmas. You wouldn't see phone calls, you wouldn't see visits, you wouldn't see cards, you wouldn't see the, um, uh, you know, the loving exchange. The interaction, of, the, interaction the nurturing, between, yeah. The nurturing between a parent and, uh, you know, and then they, they would show up at Christmas, swoop in, you know, who knows, maybe on their plane or whatever, their jet, swoop in, take the kid to Aspen, give the kid a, something nice. Buy a nice car present. even though they can't drive. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And, and then drop the kid back off and say, see you in the summer. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, they're taking an easy way out. Yes, I know they're busy. I know, I know they got the world to save and all that. But they're, they're taking the easy way out. And once again, I say, you know, even those type of parents don't have the luxury of t- t- taking the easy way out because their kids, they're distraught. You know what I'm saying? They're not getting that love, that bond with their parents. They're not getting that role model, that example. They're not getting any of that. And then you would say, oh, this kid was born with a silver spoon in the mouth. They had all the advantages in the world except for like a loving, present parent. And that hurts. Yeah. No, that does damage. So you're saying that don't let, your message is don't let uh, the money uh, be the love. Don't buy them stuff and come in that one time and shower them with gifts and mm-hmm. then leave and be gone for months on end. And because mm-hmm. it's just not a good replacement for, for the one-on-one, the interaction, yes. the human factor of parenting, I, right? I totally agree. I mean, I think we both have heard many times, yeah. you know, in, this, in these busy days where many parents are indeed working, let's say, two jobs or going yeah. to that school at night or whatever they're doing, you know, we've heard many times, well, you know, it's, the, it's not the quantity of time I spend with my kids or my loved one, yeah. right? It's the quality of time I spend with them. And to me, that's a cop-out. 
you know, that's an easy way out. And you know what? Okay, quality, yes. You can't show up and be absent and be tired and not you know, mentally be there for your family, your loved ones, your kids, whatever. So yeah, the quality does count. But if you only get a couple minutes of quality time from your loved one every once in a while and there's no quantity, I think that's just as damaging to uh, a relationship, a family, children, you know, and it just goes down the line. It's so hard being parents, especially in this day and age. I remember I worked two jobs as a young mm -hmm. dad. I was making a total of twelve thousand dollars a year, yeah. and it was in a year, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I remember I'd come home so tired, and my kids would want to play with me, and I'm, mm -hmm. and so I would, you know, lay on the floor and play with the with the tea sets with the girls and everything. Find myself falling asleep, you know, because yep. we're so tired. Yep. And then we want to, then we find ourselves snapping at them or rushing yep. them off to bed so mm -hmm. we can get done. Then we get a second win in the evening when our kids are in bed. Now we can get done what we want to get done, watch TV <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It's so hard. But one thing I wanted to ask you about is what you know. I, what, what I, it's come to me that Christmas time, which is, which is right around the corner for us now, when we, we get stressed and we get depressed, mm -hmm. and I think what a lot of parents do is they have this memory in the back of their head what Christmas is like when they're kids. Mm -hmm. And the, we yeah. kind of like filter out the bad stuff. And yeah. we just focus on all oh, the sea of presents all around the living room when you woke up in the morning, the excitement that we felt inside. Mm, yep, yep. And we try to recreate that for the kids. And now we're worried about, do we have enough gifts for them? Do we have, did we buy something that was expensive enough? You know, and how do we, they're so focused on that because what they're trying to do is recreate the excitement mm. of Christmas that we had for our kids. And it's not always possible. No. If you've got a very small budget yes. and you don't want to disappoint your kids, you do, gosh, you do not want to see that, that disappointed face on them when they the presents they open and they're like, that's it? You know, because in years past, you've overdone yeah. it, right? Yeah. yeah. So I guess we, it, it's, it's a good idea for parents to you know, find better, like you say, better quality ways to, to be with your kids, yep. to spend Christmas. How about Christmas presents that are giving to others? Um, mm. You know, like Thanksgiving is, is coming up for us in a couple of days. Yep. Taking your kids to work at a soup kitchen for Christmas yeah. instead of sitting there with, you know, 27 yeah. uh, relatives yeah. with huge feast on the dining room yeah. table. What if instead we fed the hungry. Yeah. Or, or, or what if we did a nature walk? A after, nature walk, after yeah. We ate. Right. <laughs> you know Instead of just sitting on the couch watching the football game and yep. playing with the new gadgets, you know, the new uh, the new toys. Uh, you know, going back to what you were saying, Bill, you know, nostalgia is a powerful motivating force, but I must say that the good old days weren't always so good and tomorrow ain't as bad as it seems. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I mean I remember those Christmases being something special of opening up all those presents. And now I don't think I don't think my I've ever been able to live up to that of having just so like it seemed like boundless gifts. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But again, but then I think about the dynamics when you're little. Everything looks bigger. Everything looks <laughs> bigger, and yeah. and it's so much easier to buy gifts for little kids because mm. you can buy the truck set or the magic yes. kit or whatever yes. the doll. Mm -hmm. When they get older, then it's oh my gosh, oh, the boy. gifts are more expensive. Yeah, they've got they're more complex, right? Absolutely, and it was a lot easier back in those days to buy, let's say, ten presents that were like thirteen ninety nine each versus my kid wants an electronic that's two hundred bucks. 
for one electronic, you know, or like what's a laptop, which is like 700 bucks. You know what I'm saying? And so what, you're gonna buy one, two, maybe three gifts these days, then you're gonna compare it to like oh. our upbringing when there was 13, 14, 15, like $10 gifts under the trees. And we're spending way more money. Way and money more. is tight. Money is tight these days. So it's tough on parents. So I think, Bill, that if people are trying to buy their kids loved in a, in a time when the middle class is being squeezed tighter and tighter, I think you're running up a slippery hill that we're just not gonna make it. Yeah. I think we need to be smarter and wiser about how we build our relationships and, and, and uh, you know, rapport and, and just the loving time that we spend together with our families and kids. Yeah, it's um, one of the exercises that I did with my family, with my kids, especially special days, is called the encouragement feast. Mm -hmm. And the encouragement yep. feast is you get everybody in a circle and you, and you take turns being it. And the it yep. person gets in the center of the circle. Everybody goes around the circle and say one thing you love about that person. Oh, that's cool. And so you go all the way around and say, love one it. thing I love about you, Jimmy, is, um, and you're so creative. And you got to yeah. make sure it's not a physical thing. It's uh, something that they bring to the family. Something mm. that uh, is all about them as the yeah. whole person. Um uh, what I love about you, uh, Margaret, is how appreciative you are of all the things you get. You know, those kinds of things. Then, then what happens is the person in the, cir in the circle has to say one thing they love about themselves. Yeah. Because we, we live in such a world of putting everybody first, we forget about putting ourselves first sometimes. Mm, yeah, or, yeah, or it's a me, me, me true. generation, and the me is about what I possess and have instead of who I am as a person, right? Yeah. And so it's called encouragement feast. It's a great exercise. I love it. And you do it as a family and have everybody take a turn being it in the center of the circle. Or that is so cool. you save this for birthdays uh -huh. and the person whose birthday it is is the only one that is the one that's it. That yep. goes in the center of the circle yep. and gets the gift of of the praise. You know, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. gift of the praise. You know, it's like I when it. when you when you show up at a group or your family and they go, Oh man, I love what you're wearing. I love that mm. shirt, Dan. And what you ever find people go, Oh yeah, that's nothing. It was in the back of my closet, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, yeah, or yeah. I got it at the discount. Yeah. Rack. Oh, like, this whole hey, thing. <laughs> I paid five bucks for it at the yeah. thrift store. Yep. And then how does the person feel who said that they love your shirt? They go, yeah. Oh, I just gave you a gift yeah. mm -hmm. by telling you how much I admired your shirt or I love the car that you drive yeah. or I love this. And you told me it was like no big deal. Yeah, accept it. Accept and, the right, gift. accept it. Accept the and gift. the most powerful thing you can do to a gift like that is to say thank you. Absolutely. Nothing else, yep. just thank you. Absolutely. Right? Do you agree? I so agree. That's something I've had to learn. You know, I grew up pretty humble and there were times where I was didn't feel worthy of a compliment. You know, so I've had to learn that and just thank you and shut up. Because you know yeah, right. if you keep talking, you might say, yeah, you know, it's not that nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. Well, I got Just it at the discount but, store. But going back to your uh, your encouragement circle, Bill, I love that idea. I think I'm going to steal that from you. And do that. I think that's way better than like the Minecraft video games and whatever else yeah. that we've been getting our kids. Um, and I think you get a lot more The manage, more things manage. we can do mm. where we teach our children, we model for them unconditional love. 
mm-hmm. appreciating each other for being the human being yeah. they are, and not buying them. Uh, which you, what you started out this conversation, showering them with with expensive gifts to show yeah. how much, and then getting ourselves in trouble financially, yeah. maxing out our credit cards, which is more stress. And you do things that make them feel the love. Uh, and Absolutely, especially so, at Christmas time. I would say to young young fathers out there, young young mothers, young parents, uh, read that second story. You know, at bedtime. Yes. Bedtime story. Yes. Read that second story. One more story, Daddy. One more story. Yeah, yeah, I know. I remember being exhausted and thinking, oh my gosh, I still got so much work to do tonight. And I'm like so tired. And my yes. gosh, the alarm clock's going off in like eight hours or whatever. <laughs> and I, I, but you know what? Read the second story. I think that that is probably one of the best presents that you can give your kids. And also just the precious present. And you know, I'll close close it off with this. Appreciate when your kids want you to read that second story because one day when they're older and you go, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what happened to me when I was your age. And they go, oh my gosh, dad, is this one of your stupid stories? (laughs) Right? And then they don't, they (laughs) roll their eyes and they don't want to hear it anymore. So take advantage of the fact that they want to hear the story. Because very soon you go, hey, let me tell you a story. And they run. They run. Oh, I don't want to hear another story. You've been listening to my new Creating Cooperative Kids podcast series. To get Dan's latest book, look up The Storm, How Young Men Become Good Men. You can find it there on Amazon. If you would like more help with discipline and parenting, please visit my website, www.cooperativekids.com, or you can certainly email me at bill at cooperativekids.com. Making the world a better place to live begins by using our style of discipline that not only creates more cooperation today, but also helps our children eventually find their purpose in life on schedule. All information on this recording is the property of Bill Corbett and Cooperative Kids. Copyright 2022, Cooperative Kids Publishing.